3: Welcome back to Right Pack Radio, and please stay tuned to the end of this episode for a public service announcement. This is your host, David Allen Lucas, author of science fiction, mystery, horror, and poetry. And with me today is my co-host.
1: Hi, I'm Kathleen Kayembe. I write paranormal romance under the pen name Kaseka Invita. And I usually say something weird here, but um, this is going to have to
0: do.
4: I'm Matthew McGraw. I'm an amateur short story writer, and I'm working on a picture book called Patrick the Spider with my cousin Jennifer, who you'll hear in four people.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm T.W. Finley. I write science fiction and fantasy, and my young adult fantasy, uh, The Labyrinth of Time, is coming out November 7th.
3: Yay! Congrats.
2: Uh, my name is Meredith Tate. I write anything dark
5: and speculative, usually YA, and my first novel, Missing Pieces, comes out in the spring. Yay!
0: Excellent. I'm Melanie Quirini. Um I write science fiction, uh, fantasy, and nonfiction, and uh, I don't have anything about to come out right now. So. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> some
3: progress.
6: Some progress. But, yes. My name is Jennifer Stolzer. I'm a fantasy author and illustrator. I'm currently working on a book about spiders with my cousin Matt. Also desperately trying to uh, illustrate something as fast as possible so I can experiment with some online publishing options. So
7: that's Ooh. exciting. Right. I'm Brad R. Cook, uh, steampunk author. Uh, my novel, Iron Horseman, comes out November 15th. Uh, and then I'm also president of St. Louis Writers Guild and uh, publisher at Blinkside Press.
3: Yay! <laughs> so to our audience out there, there's going to be a whole lot of book releases from the right pack. So if you do like us, because we love you, <laughs> watch for the books. Okay. Today we're going to discuss something that's really kind of near and dear to my heart. Fear in suspense and horror. Scare versus gore. Now, if you've ever watched any um, horror films or suspense films, especially horror, you know about the slasher films, you can't go. You can't be a teenager making love, go in the dark, in the woods and not have have some monster zombie thingy coming at you and cutting you up and bleeding you all over the place, and everybody's going, ah, suspense, not really. So <laughs> sorry. Did that come out of me? That's
6: the opposite of suspense. Yeah. You knew it was going to happen before it even started.
3: Exactly.
1: Presumably, though, that's why you went to the movie. You knew what you were getting.
7: you wanted to, see you it to the two movie. Well, I, I think you went mm-hmm. to the movie so you could see an axe go into a head. I don't think yeah. you were looking for suspense.
1: I didn't go to the movie. I didn't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> no.
3: And so. then in the sidebar with this, also there is um, various literature out there, written literature, obviously, screenplays as well, books, Mostly that is called splatter punk.
1: What is splatter punk? Please? Thank you.
3: And we talked about <laughs> it on a previous episode, and thank you for asking the question. And while
1: you're at it, <sighs> explain um, slashers, because I hadn't heard of that for a long time.
3: Okay.
6: So, do you have the answer to number 12?
3: <laughs> the answer to life is 42, but nobody remembers what the answer is. What the <laughs> question, what the question yes. was. Okay, real quick. Splatter punk is a form of literature in which basically. If you were to somehow squeeze the pages of the book together, blood would drip out. It's literally violence and blood on every page. Um, Think of a Quentin Tarantino movie, but even more gory.
6: Quentin
1: Tarantino movie on the page?
3: On a page. Okay.
6: So
1: would
6: you say that Quentin is a splatterpunk
3: director? Uh, Would you say? My opinion is yes.
6: He loves showing off his special effects. Yeah. Is it... Well, not necessarily, because, I mean, look at
7: something like 300, where you had the blood just, like, <laughs> <laughs> out like that. You know? I would
6: call that splatter punk.
7: I would, well, I mean, but, you know, Queen's not necessarily doing that. Yeah, I mean, qu- Kill Tarantino? Bill is bad. No, no, it wasn't. No, that's, oh. that's uh, that was so exactly
1: So, okay, then a slasher
3: film? Slasher films, it takes its name, basically, is a form of horror. It takes its name, basically, from where the villain of the story basically goes around and Ooh. slashing people. And unlike Thank Psycho which of that. Brad Brad was doing a visual here <laughs> but nobody could see Nobody but can us. see that. Thank God. The <laughs> difference between Psycho, which was by which was directed by Alfred Hitchcock and a slasher film, in the case of Hitchcock's film, you see the knife, you see the person scream. You see the knife acting like it's coming down, you see the person scream. Suspense. At no point in the story in the movie, do you see the knife actually enter the person's body? Whereas in a slasher, you're going to see that plus all the blood that goes around. It doesn't have to be um, the actual, it doesn't have to be a knife. It could be a sword, it could be a chainsaw, it could be a hatchet. So it that
6: could, could be anything. weapon. The any point is that there's blood and gore. Yes. And you
3: see it as opposed
1: to you see it in your mind and the... The yep. movie ratchets yeah. up your internal tension because you're imagining all the worst because so, we do that.
6: So I'm about the motivation of the scene? Is the motivation of the scene to make the audience on the edge of their seats in suspense? Uh-huh. Or is the motivation of the scene to spurt a bunch of fake blood all over the stage? Yeah, so
0: slashers leave nothing to the imagination. Let's, maybe that's the difference. Yeah, cool. I like that. that it's
4: message. like the porn of murder.
7: Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's murder degree. porn.
1: It's very much so. Torture yeah, porn. but
7: technically murder porn is what they play on like ID you know, Discovery ID and stuff that's like that.
6: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> another subgenre. <laughs> yeah, that's another
7: subgenre. Yeah. so It's big... where they have the cool reenactments of like the you know, the guy and the girl and the like illicit parts and then the guy comes in and you then, you know, Kendall just... comes on and starts talking about his dry voice about it. Okay. what you to bust them.
1: So some of these <laughs> things I block out of my mind because otherwise they will drive me insane and others of these things drive me insane but I'm okay with it. Alright, I got it for me. Yeah, Thank you everyone.
3: You confused That's everyone fun. else though. Yep. <laughs> Alrighty, anyway. So, let me ask everybody here what in your opinion makes for better suspense and better horror? Do you prefer...
0: Well, those are two
6: very different
3: questions. They are, and I'm keeping them. I'm playing them back and forth. I
6: I dare say that suspense movies build better suspense than (laughs) than horror (laughs) slasher films. Horror
0: movies can be suspenseful. A lot of them aren't, but they definitely can be. The scariest, sorry, the most suspenseful horror movies in general are the ones where you either never see the monster at all, or you don't see the monster until way far in. Alien.
6: Alien Yes Alien. You know,
0: and
7: that's probably and goopy do. horror and suspense. So right. that's well, that's sort a of, mix.
4: That's sort of a transition, yeah. And I think that might be like the best kind of mix of the two. Mm-hmm. Is you have the suspense early on and you're leading into the horror later. And the horror is so much more horrible when the audience has had some time to, you know, build it up in their own mind and kind of get involved with it and get worried and then when it finally happens it's like "Ah."
1: one thing that I think uh, is difficult for me sometimes when reading um, a murder mystery which is kind of horrific for me because there's a murder and you don't know who's out there that's doing it or seeing a horror movie is when all the suspense has been built beautifully and I'm just terrified of what's coming and then The moment the reveal happens, and the reveal doesn't reveal something. You mean
6: signs? (laughs) (laughs) Wow! (laughs) 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 Compare and contrast the aliens (laughs) and signs. (laughs) When you finally reveal the alien and alien, you're terrified because you've had people being. You know, they've, they've actually done something poetic with it As opposed to Signs when they just show it to you And you're like, ah, oh, oh wait Signs <laughs> 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 is, oh, I, I, I is the M. Night Shyamalan movie I know
7: it's Mel Gibson like, yeah. and, uh, you just and, yeah.
0: circles.
6: He's a horrible Generic looking oh, right. alien thing That decided to walk out In the middle of a children's birthday party And then we just <laughs> see them in full glory For the rest of the film
1: You give me such joy <laughs>
6: <laughs> What was the one
1: with uh,
7: Wahlberg, the like
6: Weird the Happening? Yeah. The Happening, yes.
7: Another one of those.
0: Uh One thing this that... This is
7: when they, kind of, when they got revealed. You were like, okay, it's a win. We're all dying. I'm not
0: wind. sure yeah. if no this is uh, suspense. <laughs> I wouldn't call it horror. Um, it has that kid in it, that won the one, the Oscar. I think he won an Oscar. Um... Dead people? Okay. Uh, yeah, I see, I see dead, dead people. people. Oh, Sixth really Sense. Cool. Sixth It's sense.
6: only right that we give M. Night Shyamalan a little bit of sass and then a little bit of crap. Yeah, so I yeah, mean, that, that one yeah. handled mm-hmm. it
0: very well, and I'm not going to reveal the end just in case anyone hasn't seen it. Everyone's seen but, it. But, okay, <laughs> the first time I saw the movie, it was on TV, and I missed the first five minutes, so I was really confused. Uh-huh. But then it's like, oh, okay, when I watched it the second time, it's like, wow, yeah, that was nicely done. It 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 was both. Yeah, he didn't break any of the rules of storytelling, but the audience was completely fooled. It was beautiful. Everything
1: was inferred, uh-huh. and then you realize, no, no, it wasn't. Well, well, it was
0: inferred, but it was inferred wrong. Yes,
3: I'm going to take this back a little bit. Let me yes. separate scare. On topic here. Let me <laughs> scare. Let me separate scare versus gore, a little bit better. And by the way, while we are talking a lot about suspense stories and horror stories. All these elements can fall into any of the genres that are out there. Um, just real quick. Scare usually scares or causes... There yet? Scare causes a reaction out of the audience or reader through the use of psychology. You don't have to actually see something happen.
0: You can, but you don't You don't have, have
3: to. to. Gore creates a reaction out of the audience or reader through the use of visual violence and blood. Go ahead. That's my, That's my definition.
7: I have no problem with that definition. I'm going to throw out a question here. I'm kind of curious what yeah. you all think. Gore has been kind of popular because it was really the only way for people to experience it. I mean, I remember back in the 80s being a kid, mm-hmm. seeing some of these crazy movies where people were getting, you know, just attacked in the woods by, you know, knife-wielding crazy guy in a mask and stuff like that. However... Now with the internet, now where every war and every atrocity that gets committed is now on Twitter and on, you know, running across the web, is gore in literature and film as much of a shock? And as much as, you know, does it really affect us as much as it did?
5: Well, I think, kind of going off of what Brad said, that it almost has kind of gone over the top in some ways like for example I remember when I was in high school the movie Hostel came out and I've never seen it I have no intention of seeing it but I remember um, listening to a group of boys in my class talking about how it was all kind of a challenge to them to go and sit through this movie and one of them actually went and threw up at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. and so I'm wondering if it's kind of like movies like that are made not to scare people but more to like elicit a different reaction yeah (laughs) Yeah. it grossed them out
7: well the same thing with uh, I mean Hostel was was bad and uh, but the first Saw, I mean, any of the Saw movies, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of elicits that same response. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. I'm Saw glad you said that Saw is
6: definitely Gore Porn. You yeah. Know? It's you just go there to see the crazy traps and how people are going to die. they they've given up on building any sort of suspense at this point. No. At no. the end of the Saw franchise. <laughs> it's so yeah. true.
4: But uh in reference to like real stuff, the thing with like if you go like watch the actual things, you know, it's like a shaky, like, hand cam, the guy's like You know, fifteen feet away, you can't really see what's going on. Examples, stuff like images um, that
7: come out of like the Ukraine or something like that. Well, that's of any war. I mean, Syria or any of them.
4: Well, I mean, like that's still like it's still a just a Uh static frame, and it's like it's nothing compared to like you know even like a Saw movie where like. They have time to set up the scene, and they can get the camera in yeah, a good spot, and right. the lighting's right. You know, that's all the advantages that fiction has over reality. <laughs> and,
3: and along with that, though, let's look at a couple of fictions. And this is video. This is movies, not books, as I talk about. But one which I know that Brad absolutely just totally loves is my mouth drops sarcasm uh-huh. like crazy, paranormal activity. Mm. Um, also, too, you, you get... yeah. <laughs> Um, what Let's about? all
7: just sit here for the next two minutes, not do anything, and then somebody, and then somebody like make a noise, yeah, and we'll all be freaked out. Yeah,
3: another Sorry. one. Is, <laughs> it does right. I know. I did that to you on purpose. Another one is um, Blair Witch, which basically started it, where you got the shaky cam. going. Yeah, so
0: yeah. the of
6: any of the found, found footage.
0: footage. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was saying that. Um, I maybe it's because of interest. I was never into gore but then I don't find it intrinsic, I find it more intrinsically disgusting than intrinsically scary. So the cringe factor for me goes really up. So for instance, I'm the type of person that looks up operations on YouTube. Now, okay, so it was for work in one time, but I actually didn't mind and enjoyed... I mean, it was interesting watching the knee surgery, and if you want to see some graphic violence, yeah, it's very controlled, but yeah, it's rather violent to remove someone's knee and replace it. But um, YouTube's
6: full of those things, by the way. Yeah. You can yes. watch all kinds of surgeries on YouTube. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. But
0: um, the, I had a friend who's now a doctor. WTF? Took her to mm-hmm. see... Um, not Silence of the Lambs, the sequel, or the prequel... A uh, sequel. Hannibal? Um, Hannibal. And uh, she was just fascinated by it, and she was like, all oh, interested, whatever. I took her to see the others. Oh, well, actually, we both went to see. I didn't take her to see, but we both went to see the others. I almost had a bruise on my arm. She was grabbing me because she was so scared of the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what separates the, the horror aspect
1: for you guys from just what is um, disgust or cringeworthy or just suspenseful?
3: I think, and I have I've written a lot of uh, blog-slash-articles on suspense using Alfred Hitchcock, so I'm going to use him briefly when I talk about the suspense aspect of it, and I'll let anyone else discuss the other side. Hitchcock followed Freudian psychology. Every aspect of his story, every aspect of what he was showing, was supposed to reflect the id, the ego, or the superego in conflict with each other. So, the suspense, instead of being gory, instead of being in your face, like some of it is, um, was more psychological and into the character and into the audience perspective. Right. I was just
7: going to say, in terms of scary, scary can be anything. Yeah, I mean, scary could be a ghost. Scary could be, you know, a, a darkened room. Scary could be a book about snakes, because I don't like snakes. So, you know, any of those things could be scary and made to be scary. Scary is about creating a suspense, creating a a sense of, you know, shock and and surprise and Mm -hmm. maybe twisting on something a little bit. Gore is something completely different in the sense of, you know, gore is specific to carnage, to, you know, blood or to, you know, certain things. Whereas I think so many things can be scary because we all have phobias and fears. And, you know, you're playing off those phobias and fears.
5: I, with I, I was also thinking about what you said about phobias, and I was thinking about when I saw Return of the King in theaters, and um, a friend of mine had never uh, never read the book, didn't know, well, didn't read Two Towers, didn't know about Shelob, was literally in my lap during that part, because she's afraid of spiders. For me, I was fine with that scene. It didn't seem scary to me, but to this day, if you ask her what is the scariest movie she's seen, she will answer <laughs> Return of the King. <laughs> so I think it depends kind of on uh-huh. people's personal phobias and fears. Yeah,
1: I, I think she love was a large large, <laughs> large spider. spider
6: tell her not to watch the second Hobbit film <laughs> <laughs> if, they ever,
0: yeah.
4: if they ever make a Silmarillion don't watch that right. yeah. Yeah. fear
0: is very different than suspense mm-hmm. but for me suspense is predicated on I'm not sure what's going to happen I might have a strong suspicion of what might happen but I don't know so if it's a main character and it's an ongoing series I'm not really all that suspenseful about the main character living or dying because you know, with a very, very few exceptions, the main character never dies. Or stays dead. Or stays dead, yes.
3: Jen.
6: Um, I'm going to propose, perhaps maybe, I'm hoping it's going to be a discussion-worthy uh, question, or statement, or feeling, or whatever. I'm sorry. Ramble. Um, the, what if I said that suspense, a suspense horror is a fear that's earned <laughs> and a gore horror is a fear that startled.
3: And I'm going to go with you on that. In fact, I'm glad. I love that you did that because I was I, you and I are slightly on the same page. I'm going uh, <laughs> to from my martial arts point of view. There's two types of fear, and yeah, I'm kind of walking the same lines what you're doing.
6: Uh-huh.
3: There's fear from without. This is the fear bullies use. This is the fear the terrorists use over mm-hmm. the overseas and. Even your local terrorists, a ra- you know, a race supremacy group, so forth. They like to scare people from without and try to control. That's not the greatest fear, not in my opinion. The greatest fear is the other one. It's the fear from within, and that is where the psychology, your, what you were talking about, mm-hmm. comes into play. It's in the case of what we're talking about, the scare, the fear that has been earned, is the fear that is coming from within the audience, and also hopefully the character,
6: uh-huh.
3: whereas gore, which is just there, which I say, is the fear from without.
6: I would agree with that. You're influencing an audience member to feel frightened by presenting an uncertain situation, by using the proper sound effects, the proper mm. musical notes, things like that, putting a character, making taking the time to make you care about said character and their well-being, Putting them in that situation and letting you live vicariously through them and be afraid for them. And you can achieve that without cutting a guy's arm off. You can also achieve that with cutting a guy's arm off. But the suspense portion is separate from the gore portion.
4: I think maybe a good way, how I've been uh, visualizing this, is that uh, there's two ways you could do, like a scene where people are running away from a murderer down a hallway, let's say. And there's like a turn in the hallway. Uh, If you want to do it like the gore way, there's one person running. The killer grabs them and murders them. And that's just like, you see the murder happen, it's gory, but you see it like through the screen, you know. You're not there, so you maybe feel a little distant from it. Let's say there are two people instead running through it. Uh, They run around the corner. One person gets through, the other person's coming around, then they get grabbed, pulled back, and they scream. And you see the other character turn and look... And know what's happened And then the audience can jump into that person mm-hmm. And they can feel That feeling of like That was a friend of mine That was somebody I knew And now they're dead And it could be me next It's okay. like
1: that's experiential An experiential kind of horror To
4: exactly. so
1: identify with characters And with the situation that you feel in it And it ratchets up your own Internal like Tension because you don't know
2: And I'm going to kind of bounce this over into books because Mm -hmm. I just read uh, Red Rising by Pierce Brown. And Mm -hmm. I see that they're making it into a movie, so I guess we have that to look forward to. But I've Mm -hmm. been having some discussions with people about how gory it is because it's like nonstop violence. It's all about these warring factions uh, set in kind of a, uh, it's set on Mars in a mythological framework. So they use a lot of the Olympian terms uh, that we're all familiar with. But, I mean, it is nonstop violence. Animals get killed, people get killed. I mean, it's just on and on and on. And the whole thing that, you know, we've been talking about is like, you run a real risk uh, if you make your main character super violent, super filled with rage, that, you know, people won't be willing to either read the sequel or to see the movie because I know I was kind of going through those parts getting to the part that I really wanted was about the social injustice and all of the other things that were wonderful in the book mm-hmm. and kind of holding holding my hands over my eyes as I read you know trying to, to get to those parts Jen you had something
6: oh no we're a different topic
2: okay
7: <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to ask yeah, I and mean, that's a good point bringing it up to the books but um, does gore matter now, that's a science fiction we tend to have less gore Lessons, yeah. in science fiction um, but like Game of Thrones is yeah, particularly violent uh-huh. and particularly gory, almost at points. Um, yeah, depending upon which murder scene you're in. Yeah, I
6: dare uh, say it is pretty gory. <laughs> yeah, it is. No,
7: and when you read it, I mean, he doesn't hold back. He's mm-hmm. the blood's splurting all over the place. There are a couple so. of
6: reasons why it's on HBO.
7: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there is that, and you take something like uh, Tolkien, which does have the the same almost level of violence because you have all the wars and you have everything else that go along with it. But the reality is is that I don't find Tolkien to be half as gory as I do, you know, mm-hmm. George R. R. Martin. Well, so does the expectation of what you're reading come into play in terms of the level of gore you're willing to accept? Oh, well, definitely. Certainly. Because everyone accepts the level of gore in George R. R. Martin, but you're even having a problem with it in this book about Mars.
2: Well, it's a very violent book, if yeah. you haven't read it. Actually, I haven't yet, but I'm kind of It's about now. on the same level as uh, George R. R. Martin's Game okay. of Thrones. I can read Game of Thrones. I can't watch it. I can't Mm -hmm. watch it on on HBO. Game of Thrones as a book is very gritty all around. Yeah. As a series of books. I mean,
1: like, very Mm -hmm. gritty all around. It is. The violence that is shown is... Was, to me, reading no more or less than the amount that was shown for everything else. Every other aspect of darkness in the society. I
7: didn't have a problem with it.
1: Yeah, but I mean... You know, reading
7: it, I kind of understood it almost felt more real to the time.
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. and that is, um something George R. R. Martin does beautifully in the books. Whereas with Tolkien I think his his point for the book was well yeah, for the book was more um heroic to do fantasy. Mythological mm. heroic yeah. fantasy. Most, so most definitely. the way that we the things that we read in myths and um, fairy tales, that kind of tone was what he was going for. And we don't see the violence quite the same way as we would in, say, a book by George R. R. Martin. So the tone follows what he was going for
6: to steer this with the violence. idea back toward horror. Mm-hmm. Um, I've mentioned it before on this show. Uh, I just asked David to watch it <laughs> the other day, um, mm. but I watched uh, one of my favorite horror movies is a Spanish language film called uh, REC record. And it's uh it's a found footage movie. It's a low budget horror movie, uh, but I think it does a fantastic job of building suspense, even though it's got a lot of gore in it. The point is that the gore is kind of on a realistic level. But it's... I watched it last night with my friend Elena. Elena's watching, and every bit of gore on the screen, she was going, oh, gosh, oh, oh. it was because the tone that they'd set throughout the movie was, this is real life. We're here in real life, and in real life, a paper cut really hurts. (laughs) Yeah. And Mm -hmm. when the... The policeman gets bitten by a rabid woman, and a chunk of his face gets torn away. You know how much that hurts because it's in a realistic tone, and we know that we should be afraid of that kind of gore and that kind of violence because we're we've established this real life. This is really happening. Oh my gosh! There's no fantasy element to it. You know, it's it's I kind of a zombie movie, but it's a, it's more of a plague movie. That yeah. they're setting it up as it's. It's like rabies or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's an illness that's causing people to become super violent and bite each other. You know, and
3: Jen is being very good at not telling you what's really behind it. So you need to watch the film. (laughs) It's a good movie. And to know what's going on. Um,
6: Watch in Spanish.
3: Just yeah, watch (laughs) in Spanish if you can understand Spanish. They do have have
6: subtitles. Subtitles. And I think actually let's just
3: switch it over to English. They've got sub.
6: There's. there's They've got. There There is an English dub, but yeah. go watch it in Spanish.
3: <laughs> just real quick, and then I think, Melanie, you had something you wanted if to throw.
6: I remember. <laughs> right. And I
7: remember. All right. Okay, think real quick, Brotherhood of the Wolf is a great French movie. does something similar.
3: <laughs> yeah. It really does. Um, I think really what you just said there is really important is it's the tone that the author, in the case of books, the director and screenplay writer, in the case of what we see on television and movies... Mm-hmm sets and it's the tone that becomes part of the art of the story that's being told that determines the level of gore versus a level of psychological suspense. Let me jump off of fan- off of horror for a second. I'm gonna to jump to Quentin Tarantino. Yes, I do like your films, but I they're over gory. I love your films. As far as is
6: in as <laughs> the human body. There's not that much blood yeah. in the human
3: body. As far as <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to crack up, but I'm, here. I'm not succeeding. We
6: it's all all
1: right.
3: Yeah, but as far as suspense wise is concerned, and that is, let me just jump to Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. The whole last scene, I'm not going to give anything away. Let's just say, though, he is in a trapped room situation he's put himself into. Blood is going everywhere, bullets are flying, body parts are being punctured. And yes, how much blood really is inside the human body is a good question. <laughs> the walls are painted with blood. I yeah. might be a little bit over-exaggerating, but not by much. <laughs> but then I said that I'm like, okay, yeah, this is for a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yay! But for a realistic tone, which is not what he was setting, it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. I do have a question now. I'm going to change subjects. I'm, I'm going to jump back to our own personal scares. Our own personal gores. Books or movies. I don't care which. What personally has scared you? And what has failed to scare you?
5: I still maintain that the scariest scene I've ever seen nobody agrees with me was in the Matrix movies when they have the mechanical beetle or whatever crawl into his belly. I cannot watch that. It scares me. Uh And I have seen horror movies and none of them compare to me to that scene in the matrix and to this day i cannot Watch The Matrix you because have a, of that one scene.
6: Do you have a body invasion thing? I don't know what <laughs> it is, but we I saw it a in little bit of that, I that I've been that just TV freaked out by it. It's irrational.
1: Don't read up on the bot fly <laughs> no. no,
7: no, no. None of those. That horrible TV show where they talk about that stuff is just horrible. And then the they monsters
2: inside <laughs> I Don't <forget. laughs> wigs. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: You can watch that
4: on YouTube as well. There's people a people uh, pulling out It's even worse when it's
1: real. I'm not sure how much of this. Really qualifies as horror, but mm-hmm. and then there were none by Agatha Christie. It's a well a suspense. It's a suspense. It's a murder mystery, but um, the premise is a group of strangers are ten strangers are um, brought together on an island by a mysterious host who they never meet, but each of them. Like, one by one, they start getting picked off. They start dying. They're not sure who among them is doing it because they are isolated and cut off on this island from any outside um, interference. So there are ten little Indians on the dining table, and one by one, as people are picked off, those little Indians disappear. So that was so psychologically terrifying to me that I finished the book, and... Could not be by myself. <laughs> Could not. <laughs> What's, What's it called? And then there were none. none. It's sort it's of a, a short story. It's one short. of my favorite books. It's brilliant. Yeah.
6: It, that book is, as a genre, is one of my favorite things. We're talking about personal fears and suspense stuff. I'm not necessarily scared by that, but I love that excited feeling you get. knowing, Just knowing that everyone there is going to be a victim. You don't know what order. You don't know who's doing it. But you know that at some point the last survivor is going to be alone with the murderer. And the fact that the Indians are vanishing off the sill, someone's doing that. They're Mm -hmm. in the house right now. We don't know who they are or what they're doing. That is an exciting horror genre for me.
1: Moreover, we don't know which of us is the killer. So while we're making plans, we're doing it in... With the help even of the killer who we're trying to find.
6: And I enjoy that kind of stuff. Yes. That sort of an emotional engagement. I enjoy that in a in a film or a book or whatever more than the shock fear of and then a machete went through his head. Uh-huh. Because there's no way for you to anticipate that. And the anticipation is where the fear lives. They're <laughs> building it. Right. And you know, you can and like I said, you can get that anticipation with a gore style movie as long as there is that you know, he's somewhere, you know, the, the Freddy Nightmare on Elm Street kind of thing. You know, he's creeping, and you know it's going to be horrible, but you're just anticipating, well, Oh my gosh, when's he coming? What's he going to do? You know, there's a reason why everyone, why, the you no know, the book It made everyone afraid of clowns.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, by the way, he was a spider. But anyway. <laughs> More
6: spiders, More darn spiders. it. More spiders. They're crafty,
1: and they spin things.
3: Melanie, you had? And then oh, what?
1: I was also going to say Japanese oh. horror movies like um, Juon and um, okay.
6: Oh uh, Ringu
1: that movie terrified me I would not have finished it had I not gone and grabbed the person who made me watch that movie and brought them <laughs> right back down to the room with me
6: if we don't have time someone feel free to message me on Facebook and we can talk forever about the difference between horror video games
3: Oh, Ooh, that's something. That's something that actually doesn't scare me. That's that's really weird. Let
6: me introduce you to a couple. of them. Yeah. Okay. You have <laughs> Play Silent Hill and get back to us. Actually, that's one of Freddy's. the ones I Silent was Silent talking about. 2 yeah. Silent Hill Two is.
3: We were doing a we could, just
6: the Silent Hill games alone are a great way to explore mm-hmm. horror. Wonderful, but I don't to want to fog. take away from everyone else's comments because mm-hmm. I could go on for a whole lecture about Silent Hill horror. <coughs>
7: well, games. real quick to throw it out there. So one of the great things that's done in mm-hmm. the Silent Hill, especially in Silent, I think it's Silent Hill Two.
6: Two is, is the introduction of our dear friend Pyramid Head.
7: Uh, fog, The use of fog because <laughs> mm-hmm. that that game really just you know nothing is revealed until you kind of get there, until you're walking through this foggy you know nest through the whole time. And I would say that fog is actually one of the scarier things out there because it does kill your senses, mm-hmm. like your sight and your smells and things like that. Things that we that rely definitely. on. So just wanted to put a quick the out the s- scariness of fog.
6: The real reason that Silent Hill two is considered the best of them, yes. which I would agree with. I do think it was the best one because it was a good horror story on top of being a video game. Yes. But uh The scary part of that was not Pyramid Head, even though he's, like, the trademark bad guy from the Silent Hill franchise. He's in it. He's Mm -hmm. there. But it's the fact that you as the protagonist, surrounded in this foggy town, you are alone. And there's a very isolated feeling that even if there are other people there, you can't see them. Yeah. Because it's all in there. And then you wander across this monster, you don't know what it is, and he's just sliced a man in half with his giant sword. And he's coming for you next, and you can hear it scraping in the fog, and you wonder if you're gonna wander across him around the next corner or not. The reason why it's a good game to play, watching someone play it doesn't get quite the same thing, mm-hmm. unless you're in the room with them. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's... If you know where all the... The cues are in that kind of an environment. It's not as scary as if you were experiencing it and exploring it yourself.
7: I want to throw out another game that is that I think does kind of something similar really well is uh, the Bioshock games mm-hmm. because the little girl I think is far scarier than the big o monster thing that you're tr- you know that's really trying to kill you through the mm-hmm. whole thing. Even though that's scary in of itself, I don't know the little girl's were... Really Can you give
1: a yes. little quick, sisters, quick thank you. premise? Of Bioshock, please, because I have not played it. Oh, actually.
7: it's a video game set in a in an underwater colony that has since been destroyed. It was like Utopia once. But yeah, now it's like been everyone's destroyed gone
6: crazed with Roid Rage. Yeah,
7: and... and you're running through, and there are these big, giant, metal, honking, steampunk-looking monsters that run around with these. Creepy little girls that are their little sisters, and
6: they're all like leeching yeah. toxic drugs. And out they're of the horses. big bad guys
7: that you kind of run into throughout. It's the game. again,
6: it's an environment where you know you're the only sane one there. Yeah. yeah. So you, you feel isolated. And you're trapped, trapped underwater
7: in this little thing, and it's leaking yeah, and everything. It's the place so. it's falling
3: apart.
6: Yeah. It's a good game. Good, good game. There's little though. girls,
1: and The Ring has a little girl. Is anyone
6: else. Particularly terrified. Oh yeah, but C- they C- ask that
3: same thing. Yeah.
6: Children are scary. Yes. Children, 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 children are scary. in That grudge. that's a little. Yeah. Maybe. It screams like a cat.
7: Yeah. <laughs> See, either, there are probably an equal amount of scary little dudes too. Well, yeah. little, children like little kids. Children are
6: seen. scary yeah. because children have that element of we, they don't know better yet. You know, or. they're they're innocently playing with your intestines.
0: <laughs> young ch- all young children are sociopaths. <laughs> <laughs>
1: innocently playing with your intestines I that
0: can't even top beautiful. that one
3: that's good I love it but' I'm say back. he's I like know. nope nope he, even Matt gives up yep. but I think there's dude? a certain corruption of, social, of the innocent when you use a child as the uh-huh. representation
6: something good has been turned into something uh-huh. bad.
3: Go ahead. I've got. I've got something I'm going to say, but um, I've
6: got a couple. I guess for what
2: turned me off entirely on horror films was Hellraisers. I haven't been to uh-huh. a real horror film since that. Uh-huh. I mean, just the slicing and dicing and needles and stuff. Yep, yep. I'm out of there. Yeah.
3: Watch <laughs> the Skeleton Key. Oh,
2: okay. It's, it's it doesn't do that. It huh? doesn't do
3: that at all. It's voodoo related. Okay. I'm getting an applause from the from uh-huh. the
6: staff. <laughs> the
3: S.T.L. books on that one. Uh-huh. It's I'll one. it to you. It really okay. it, it scares you more out of. Suspense that does. Allegory. Now I would actually
7: throw up voodoo as being really scary. Oh, well, yeah. voodoo, voodoo itself is—it's is. Yeah, awesome. And I—I I mean, in terms of
2: a you know how it's used for. But I know? would bounce back in and say I recently read a book called Tears of the Jaguar. Okay. and What really scared me about that is it brings it to the personal level. You know, it's like realistic stuff. You can you can. This is a murder mystery kind of set in the Mayan uh, regions, and mm-hmm. these are archaeologists and. Somebody gets killed ritually, which ritually, in the Mayan sense, involves, you know, putting spines through your tongue and other private parts and and a lot of blood. And they painted the wall of this tomb with blood from this person. And, I mean, you know, I could, it hurt. It just hurt reading Uh it, you know. And so that kind of thing is more horrifying, you know, to me on a personal level. I think the history is be just as horrifying. Like,
7: real history, real life can be just as horrifying as anything we try and create in in literature.
6: Why do you think they put inspired by real events on stuff that was right. not even involved yeah. in real Yeah, well, events? I mean, if you look at, like, you
7: know, if you take, like, the, the, or the Aztecs, movie. I guess, mm-hmm. and the killing of, like, 20,000, right. mm-hmm. like, They're a couple of your days, yeah. you're ripping the hearts out and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If you take. Blood going you know, like, down the steps. Uh, um, flat Dracula, the guy inspired mm-hmm. that. He would yeah. impale people on, you know, giant poles. I mean, these things are horrific crimes that we just cannot fathom anymore.
3: If I can borrow for just a second, let me just throw out some. Easy words that, you know, we we like to think humanity is good and all that, but let me just throw out some things, (laughs) since you brought this up. Impaling. The Iron Maiden.
1: Spanish Inquisition.
3: Spanish Inquisition. The Iron Burning Alive. The Dunking Chair. Which Iron Shoes. Which trials? (laughs) The Rack. The Rack. Crucifixion.
0: She already said that.
3: Okay, I missed it. Electrocution. (laughs) Well, now you're getting up into the modern
0: age. It doesn't
3: matter. I'm just throwing out there just all the things. We are
1: very good at hurting Uh each other and ourselves. There's not necessarily something to be proud
3: of. No, but it is true.
6: We have a proud history of murdering each other.
3: Sadly, yes. Now,
6: speaking of murder.
3: Well, before we do, let me let me let me. (laughs) Yeah, say, I, I love you. How many of us at
7: the table? How
3: many are going to be yeah. here at the end? She just pulled out a gun. <laughs> and send help, send and help! Now I get no, my um, order. Order.
7: I just want to share a real a head gun. at the
3: beginning of the year. <laughs> yeah. I
1: pulled out a jet lee with a rosary uh, garrote.
3: Oh, I'll have a, a garrote. What that I one. did? Yes, strangulation.
1: Hidden uh, in a rosary. Tape. Yes. Scary man.
3: Now I'm going to share my share mine real fast, and one's going to be actually I think humorous. The fact that I actually am afraid of it. And by the way, I do hate spiders, but spiders with me, it's C one kill done. Um, but anyway,
0: first off, what
3: does not scare me besides the slasher stuff? Zombies. I know zombies are really it's a big the thing. slow moving ones. Yeah, slow moving ones. Now you get the, the Romero, you know. The you get the, the intelligent yeah, the Dawn ones. of the
5: Dead where they run.
3: Yeah, you get the intelligent ones like you'll see on Hex. Um, twenty-eight days. Well, 28, no, day. um, I was talking about twenty-eight weeks. Is Hex right? Am I thinking? The, uh, the uh, I've got the wrong name. It was it's um. The Nations,
7: another
3: one. Or, oh, it's it the, the
6: current season. one. Yeah. Sci the is one of the one on the Sci Fi Channel.
7: Yeah, yeah. This is meeting World Wars.
3: This one's a Sci Fi channel channel. Which, by the way, this is one of the good ones, but done by Ronald Moore, who did Battlestar Galactica and so forth. And I, I think I just said the wrong name. I he said Hex? Helix, thank you. That's it. oh yeah. Where they were intelligent and I'm not gonna tell you what's creating the zombie. However, the zombie that does scare me is if if you're not catching it, is the thinking or the kind that has some type of thought to it. But what scares me more than the Helix ones is the Borg from Star Trek. Where you've lost your entire personality or who you are technically, but it's really there and it's submerged book-wise. Now, just real fast. What I think is the most terrific book written by this author, and had the scariest moment, and why you have not expanded into the next sequel like you have done your other horrors, I don't understand, Miss Anne Rice, but that's alright. You've got your own books that you're writing. Ramses the Dead, I'm sorry, Ramses the Damned, or the Mummy, as it's also known, scared the bejeebies out of me, when Ramsay was bringing back Cleopatra. When you read the book, first off, this is the only horror book. Sorry, Stephen King. This is the only horror book that had me interested in the first paragraph, hooked by the end of the first chapter. And I refused to put down, and then eventually gets to this point. I step back.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: I was just going to say that my scariest zombie... Is the actual parasite in the, like, Amazonian jungle that, mm. like, takes over the ants and turns them into zombie mm. ants yeah. and it kills them <laughs> and they grow out these funky spines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it scares the hell out of me because it's real life. The fear of with zombies
6: that. is more a fear of, like, dead people. Like, there's well, coming for you and that when you're dead, you don't stay dead.
4: Uh, I was actually thinking, I'm kind of with you on, like, not finding zombies scary, mm-hmm. but I think what gets me most in horror is, like, helplessness. And so the zombie idea I found the most terrifying is ironically a uh, return of the living dead okay where it's just like one. it's a virus and it's in the air and it animates corpses and the corpses don't die at any point you just, you can uh, destroy the brain nothing like it just keeps going right all the parts stay alive forever and there's nothing you can do about it and it just keeps spreading as well because mm-hmm. like even if you nuke the place the virus gets out and like the Air and uh, goes around in the smoke and gets out through the rain. So you can't stop it. You can't do anything about it. It's coming and you just have to wait for it.
6: It's hopeless. I
1: think that um, is the, the Borg and then this aspect of hopelessness are two things that made 1984, the book, oh. horrifying to me. Um, because, you know, Big Brother was everywhere and by the end, you know, Big Brother really is everywhere. That was horrifying to me. Um, and Terminators, when you were talking about things that just don't die, how do you escape something that never stops hunting you?
6: Good question. Molten, what Moulton was that? Metal, Steel? a giant's press, you know. A lot of luck. Linda Hamilton <laughs> has given us the ways.
7: So we just need yeah. to go forward and be the John Connors that, you know, that so need to go forward. In,
1: but something, yeah, something that is yeah. relentless, that does not eat or sleep. Or need, it just hunts you. That, something that you cannot really fight. You just have to run from and pray for the best. Like, that's
0: terrifying to me. Mm-hmm.
1: Something you can't reason with.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, but real things tend to scare me. Um, oh, I never actually saw it. What was it? A movie it came out a long time ago. I never saw it, but it was Outbreak. Mm-hmm. Basically, there are certain movies that are just basically too real for me to go to and they might not seem real to other people but they seem very real to me <laughs> which one was outbreak i didn't dustin see dustin
7: hoffman renee russo about the monkey
0: no oh yes. is it a virus movie yeah
7: yeah okay. yeah but okay it's, it's andromeda strain but done differently
0: yeah but okay for instance ebola actually doesn't terrify me because i know all about ebola and even if it got to the u.s i'm Reasonably confident that we could contain it. A bunch of people might die, but we could probably contain it to keep a bunch of people will die. Currently.
2: Yeah. Currently, yeah. unless it migrates. Yeah.
1: Well, no. Wait until it well, becomes an airborne a-
7: disease and then we're all dead. Well, mutating
1: no. yeah. diseases frighten me. Yes.
7: Mutating yeah, yeah, diseases totally frighten me. Mm-hmm.
0: Truth be told statistically, we're much more likely to die here of a flu pandemic than we are of Ebola.
7: Exactly. Yeah. The
1: flu scares the hell
0: out of you. Yeah. Me because
7: I, I remember the flu. Oh, I don't remember. I wasn't there. <laughs> I'm not, you know, Edward Cullen or anything like that, but...
1: How many yes, times you. have you been to high school? Exactly. <laughs> Put him in the sun. We need
3: to see if he sparkles.
6: <laughs> I sparkle.
1: Get a steak, guys. He sparkles, <laughs> yeah, man.
3: sparkly vampire's not scary. Go on. That's yeah. just they the weren't supposed to be scary. On. They're
6: supposed to be sexy.
3: Yeah. Fail. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> oh, um... If you want to finish, you can.
7: No,
1: no. Something that <laughs> I, I don't mean getting of
7: cut off things. on my bad Twilight jokes. So <laughs> okay. So,
1: there's um, a show called Face Off on Sci-Fi awesome that is show. about makeup artists. It's a it's a challenge, it's a competition, um, and every week they have to come up with a concept and then design and create in two and a half days, really three days, um, a new makeup that is then judged. Um, and one of my favorite challenges that they do, and they do it, I think most of the uh, seasons so far is they have a phobias challenge. They take something they have the the contestants take a phobia or a fear that they have that has not been pre-chosen um, and design a makeup around it. And that idea is so inspiring and so terrifying to me. I love it. Um, I'm Since we're all talking about things that do scare us, I'm kind of curious about what kind of horror movies and books and things we think would then do the best
6: at that best that. represented wow. our specific yeah. phobias yeah um, I'll, I'll, I'll the offer most, one why? I don't know which Saw movie this is because I've only seen clips of all of them mm-hmm. but uh, I have a horrible phobia of needles I mm-hmm. don't like needles I don't like injections or, or blood draws or anything like that um, so there's one challenge in one of these Saw movies where the, the girl had to jump into a pit of used needles and she's walking toward getting the key, and she has all these needles sticking out of her. And that, I, I decided right then I was never watching a Saw movie in my entire life. If that's the kind of thing that happens to people, I don't want to see it. Uh, the only thing I know about Saw movies are from research I've done on Wikipedia and watching other people's reviews of it. So it's like, that that's an example for me of my phobia coming out and, and getting me where I live.
5: That tip, top
3: you right in the phobia.
6: Yeah. Right in the phobia.
3: Sidebar just fast, because I'm just going to say it. Watched the first Saw movie, and I'm sorry, guys. You who who made Saw out there, I never watched another one because, not because of fear, I knew the dead guy wasn't dead the entire time that he was a bad guy. <laughs> you, 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 you formulated it too much. Anyway, go you ahead. were like
1: my mom. She knew who Kaiser Soze was in the opening scene. Don't but... spoil it.
3: Oh, somebody yeah. else did, too. <laughs> <laughs>
7: our live audience.
1: Sorry, Brad.
7: Yes. Brad. Actually, I was just going to throw it out there and I, I can't say it's the scariest thing or it gets me in the phobia, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, the, the the exorcist-like type oh, movies, yeah. and not necessarily the exorcist because that's kind of funny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll admit it, it's kind of amusing. It's a little bit of a comedy. But the, like, the other ones that have come up, like the telling of uh, the, the Emily like, Rose one. Exorcism, yeah. of Emily Rose. The Exorcism of Emily Rose. The Exorcism of Emily Rose and some of those. Down. Those are those are freaky. The demonicness and kind of the things like that, um, you know, playing up some of those aspects, it it can be really scary and frightening because it's playing with something that could be real. We don't know if it's real. Sense of the other, something
6: that we're not prepared to deal with, like Ebola. She's not afraid. You know, Mel's not afraid of Ebola because she knows that we have methods to treat it. She can take
3: a shower and she'll be fine. (sighs) Just real fast. If you haven't seen it, a really well done BBC television series all about exorcism. It's all fictional, yeah. but it is called Apparitions. Mm. Watch it. It is good. Okay, what about anybody else?
1: they phobias. Phobias. Um, connected to that one, actually. Demonic influence movies terrify me. I saw rights with a group of friends. With Anthony yeah. Hopkins and yep. the yep. idea that a priest could yep. not handle oh oh
7: that was a great one it was, it, a, like, was. You know, it really was and that's it was suspenseful it was scary it it had you like literally like peeing your pants through parts of the
1: movie that movie yeah. terrified me I'm still thinking of it with eh. and even
7: some of the other Exorcists like uh, the one with uh, Stellan Skarsgård I can't think of which one it was it was like a prequel to the Exorcist or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's, it's it's not bad, because it, it really plays up this whole demonicness and like what's going with it, and it's kind of crazy, plus Stellan Skarsgård. Something that cool. is
0: all malice and yes. more powerful. I can't, I'm afraid I can't think of a book, because I haven't read this book, it probably exists out here somewhere, but what would be really scary to me, if done right, would be a book where the point-of-view character, basically mental illness, your mm-hmm. point-of-view character has mental illness, and again, done right. And basically you can't trust your own mind, uh either something like Alzheimer's, where you're literally, you know, you can't remember. That would be very scary, or something like schizophrenia, lost time. And I'm talking about real schizophrenia. There is a, uh, a TV show that deals with um
1: there's a
7: movie in it. Couple TV, a couple of there's a couple movies and T V shows. Uh-huh.
1: The main character is a detective, but he does have schizophrenia. I haven't seen the show though. But that idea is so interesting to me because how can you how can you solve something if you don't know
6: You can trust it, yourself.
0: Yeah, right. if you can't No, trust there are different ways to do that, and some of the ways to do it wouldn't be all that scary, and other ways would be terrifying. Mm. <laughs> so
6: that's what you meant by done well.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, done, done to build up the suspense, and it be the internal... It would be the internal scare for the person actually going through the illness. Very know. experiential.
3: Yeah, All I can say is, one is... Three, three words... The master of suspense himself. Eager Allen. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah.
5: What about you guys?
2: I, I guess the things that really are visceral for me are anything that would threaten my children. You know, so anything that would threaten mm-hmm. children or someone that you love, I mean those are really terrifying. And I can't think of anything in particular, you know, any particular books or, or movies that are about that. But I think that's really what, Which what Alien movie was me. that?
6: <laughs> Aliens. That would be number two. Oh, oh, yes
4: or you could do Very good uh, movie by the way The, the Evening News The Evening uh,
2: Well I don't watch oh, that man. anymore <laughs> It's on my list with Hellraisers <laughs> A lot
4: of things that might be Murdering your children right yes. now
6: Yeah
4: Well especially the local news Because it's
7: like Here's where the murder was committed today, here's mm-hmm. where the murder was committed last night, and here's where the murder was committed yesterday. And you Great. just roll yeah, this by, is by we there live yesterday in St. Louis, probably. But. I went <laughs> there
4: for a burger yesterday.
1: <laughs> what about <laughs> that good thing that happened? It was an opening. For they don't charity. talk about that at the news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah.
6: till the very end, you know, after yeah. they're done with the story about the puppy. Exactly. You
3: know, the last story of the,
7: of the newscast.
3: I can't let this fly, but because I was gonna go, but since you were talking about exorcism earlier, you're talking about St. Louis, where did the original exorcism, the idea behind this behind the movie, come from?
7: Well, it came from here,
3: but. Right, thank you.
6: It was the yeah. the story that prompted the movie. It technically we happened at Alexian
7: Brothers Hospital. Yeah.
6: We didn't invent exorcisms. No, no no, 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 <laughs>
7: Those have been around <laughs> for <laughs> centuries. Yeah, yeah. I no <laughs> no, no, but it was, it was written in the, in, the, in the movie, you know. Yeah, they Middle were doing
6: Asia. exorcisms back in, like, you know, yeah. Jesus' time. The bringing <laughs> things into <laughs> <laughs> reality,
0: huh. like, the closer something is to reality, a potential war thing, the scary it is. And from a writer's point of view, you can actually get too close. Someone won't read a book. For instance, I don't usually read fictional books about epidemics because I find them too disturbing. So if you get too close to the person, you might turn off your audience because it's too personal to them. Um, you you're in
5: the hot zone.
0: Um, years and years and years ago. It's a creepy one. Yeah, it's nonfiction. But yeah, but um, Is that
6: one about Ebola. epidemics. Yeah. yeah,
0: but um, some use uh. Around here everyone has been saying, Oh, I'm never gonna see this movie because or, you know, yeah. not read this type of book anymore because you know you have to really judge your market as a writer. Mm-hmm. You want things to be scary if you're writing a scary book mm-hmm. or a scary move or doing a scary movie, but if it's too scary, the people yeah. the, probably there's always someone that'll be less scary too. What cr- no. how, at what point do you cross that line? Though? Well
6: here's I don't the think, yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to take it back to video games for a minute. Uh, here's a great video game experiment that's come about recently. Have you heard about the uh, the various VR headsets that they're coming out with? Yes. Like the Oculus Rift Damn, has yeah. been out for a while. It was a Kickstarter. Uh, it's since been bought by Facebook. Yep, yep. Um, and then there's Project uh, Morpheus? Project Mobius. Project Morpheus, I believe. Probably That's Morpheus. the Sony one. That's the same thing. It's a full sensory deprivation headset that has... Headphones and glasses involved, and the movement of your character is controlled by a controller and your own head. Yep. So, if you want to look left, you have to physically look left. If you want to look right, you have to physically look right. There are a lot of games that have been taken from, like, you know, indie games that have a license to develop for Oculus Rift uh, that they make them to be played with a controller. that are They're like labyrinth games, and there's, you know, a, a minotaur in there that jumps out at you, and you have to hit him with a sword, or you have to run away, or you have to find your way out, or something like that. Uh, games that people who play a lot of games wouldn't find horrifying. They port them to the Oculus Rift, and they've noticed a trend of people taking the headset off and leaving because it's too scary when you're that far into it. That sense of uh, of real and present physical danger mm-hmm. is what the made
3: immersion. them stop playing. The immersion into it. Exactly. Now,
0: I suspect... That given enough time and experience, that will change. Oh, yeah. yeah it's
6: the same thing with people running from the theater yeah. when the yeah. train was headed at mm-hmm. them in yeah. <laughs> the film. They hadn't experienced <laughs> that before. They thought they were going to, you know, their body automatically reacted as if they were going yeah. to be hit by a
0: Logically, brain. they knew it wasn't true, but
6: yeah. The brain was being outsmarted by the body. Yeah. Yes.
7: Well, to answer your question, I don't think there's a line that you can cross. Because to be honest, when you're dealing with gore and horror and all of this kind of stuff, the, the whole point of the genre is to push it as far as you can. So if the minute you draw a line, someone's going to go past that line. The minute you draw that line, someone's going to push it past that line. So to be honest, I don't think that in core, especially in gore, there's there's, there is that line. I don't think we'll ever have it. I think it's your own personal line that can get crossed. But I don't think there is one for the genre.
1: What about desensitization and how that factors in? Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, that's a big thing. That's why people are running away from those immersion sets right now. I don't yeah. think they will be once they get used to them.
7: Yeah, but to be so, perfectly honest, I've played first-person shooters, and when I hear a gun go off, I still get freaked out.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Read the book, Sensory De- Deception. Sensory Deception is a Sensory really good Deception. book about that.
6: Yeah, oh. Scary stuff. I know, Matt, you're the film student in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you talk a moment about uh, kind of that the the, the the special effects and how we we got gory stuff now, but like back in the day, gory stuff scared people just as much. Only it was much less. Like,
3: and before you well, do, I'm gonna make that your make that our final wrap up. Oh, no pressure. <laughs> no, pressure, no, pressure no pressure. No pressure. Now, no no fear of suspense. Here. Hey. Well, I mean, in terms of writing, I mean,
4: like this pushing the envelope thing, it might be. Reason enough to kind of back off from the gore and focus more on suspense because, like, you know, when do you learn to read? Like six elementary school, sometime. He's
6: yeah, on the first younger.
4: When do you learn to see? <laughs> you know, it's it's a much more primal sense and it hits you a lot harder directly in the brain if you can see the gore happening. And like uh, a CGI, well, like CGI uh, can sometimes look a little too fake for mm-hmm. people to get really into it. But, like, the effects of uh, television kind of make it, uh, or of cameras at least, make it the king of uh, the gore effect. So maybe as, like, writers it's better to focus on the uh, the harder cell, which is the suspense, the intellectual looking at the fear and building it up in the person and not going for the easy, like, and then the machete cut into his head.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally would agree with
4: that.
3: Totally agree. And thank you. To final... Uh, As we wrap up our Right Pack Radio episode on this I'm going to go ahead and do our Quick public service announcement I promised at the beginning So I know you've been in suspense the entire time STL Books is currently seeking An experienced publicity writer Does not have to be an expert But solid on social media (coughs) Sorry Facebook, Twitter, etc. Blogging and media placements preferred Hourly pay based on experience level please contact Robin, as in R-O-B-I-N, at stlbooks.com with an email on interest, resume or bio, pay rate, and some samples. Thank you for listening to Pack Radio, and tune in next week as we tackle yet another interesting topic on the writing industry. The WritePack would like to thank STL Books for allowing us to record in their bookstore. STL Books and Gifts is St. Louis's newest independent bookstore with an emphasis on fine literature for adults and children and the most comprehensive selection of St. Louis books available anywhere. Visit them online at stlbooks.com or in person at 100 West Jefferson Avenue, Kirkwood, Missouri, 63122. Tune in next week as the Write Pack will conquer yet another pondering issue in the writing industry. Theme songs for Write Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her.
2: plus.